Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with Geico or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with Geico. Bundling is easy with Geico. Just ask your neighbors. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now this week, as I'm sure most of you have guessed from our Facebook page, you will know we are covering some of the darkest parts of American history this week. We are covering one of the worst hate groups in human history, and that is the Ku Klux Klan. Now before we get into this episode, we are going to cover a little bit of housekeeping like we do on most shows. First things first, a big hello and welcome to our podcast. Caleb, welcome to our Patreon. Thank you very much for joining. And for those of you who are on Patreon, you will have noticed a massive upload over the next few weeks. Uh, There has been quite a few uploaded already, and there will be more going up over the next few weeks. What we are doing, and this is at request from a a handful of Patreons, and I actually agree, I think it's a good idea, and that is to be putting the shows that you receive on the free feed, on these uh, feeds where you will be listening to this podcast, you will get these on Patreon now, advert-free. So for those of you who want to pay a little bit extra to annoy, uh, to, sorry, to annoy, to get rid of these annoying adverts that are put on thanks to the podcast, you can do that for as, as little as $5 a month. Get yourselves over to patreon.com forward slash this week in history and join up there. You will get access to extra shows and you will also get access to all of these shows without the adverts. So that's a great thing bonus to anybody that should be an incentive for most of you to uh, to get yourselves over there and that's what's going to keep this podcast going into the future is patreon so for those of you who do really really enjoy it and do want to keep listening um, that's your ticket forwards um, for for this podcast to keep going because without my patreons i can't afford to do the show so you guys are what keep us going so thank you very much on with the show Now I'm going to do a little bit of a brief overview of the KKK for this episode. I did toy with the episode a little bit. Um, It was an episode I wanted to bring out last year. However, uh, circumstances around the world dictated that doing an episode on white supremacy was probably not a good idea. 
um, probably just adds fuel to the fire. I, I believe things uh, from at least the uh, UK media has has died down a little bit um, and died down enough for me to actually talk to you guys about an era in history that I find fascinating. Um, I have always found the KKK fascinating. Um, not in a supportive way. I'm not a white supremacist, but I do find the hatred very fascinating. Um, I find that somebody who can absolutely hate someone purely based on their religion, their race, their skin color, ethnicity, whatever it is, um, sexual preference, anything like that, um, I find it fascinating how these people's mind work because I don't feel that way and I, I don't understand the ideology behind it for example I just don't, I don't understand it I don't understand how they think um, and I find things like that quite excuse me quite interesting so the KKK we're going to do a brief overview of the clan and we're going to talk about the different stages what they stand for basically a brief history for those of you who don't know very much about the KKK and then we're going to go into some episodes I suppose of what they have been up to what they uh, some of the atrocities that they were responsible for throughout history um, and up to present day uh, believe it or not they are still around um, and I think that's quite shocking um, to believe that uh, there are still people out there like that um, you know it's uh, it's very it's very strange and and hopefully you guys um, will not take any offense to this episode there is no offense meant to anybody throughout this episode um, I will only be stating historical facts by the way so anybody who is offended don't be offended by me be offended by history and if you are offended by history said it many many times good I'm glad you're offended by history everybody should be offended by history because if you're not offended by history then you believe things like this are right so you should be offended by it you shouldn't like it you shouldn't agree with it and if you think that way then you're not going to repeat those actions that's what I teach my kids if you don't like it don't do it so there we go so this uh, a little dad note for everyone there if you don't like it don't repeat it so we shall talk about the origins of the KKK now there have actually been three clans throughout history and each clan ended for certain reasons now the first clan started in 1865 and that started um, after the Civil War that started it was actually started in the south by confederates believe it or not it was started by democrats for those of you who are uh, avid democrat or republican uh, when you flip back 200 years you would have you will see a vast change in politics uh, especially over the last uh, sort of century traditionally the democrats were the southern states of america and when the new Republican Party came in, they took over the United States. When this actually happened, for those of you who don't know, this is when the South, uh, by under President Andrew Jackson, uh, seceded from the Union and 
basically started the Civil War. Now, this was a Democrat-Republican split. So at the time, the Confederates were Democrats, and they did not agree with the Republicans, much like today. Um, But obviously, we're not at Civil War yet. Um, If you believe the media then that could be right around the corner for you guys in America, and I really hope that you don't ever go through that again. Um, but it does it does seem like your country, as well as this country, is extremely divided right now. Anyway, I'm digressing. To the end of the Civil War, the Democratic uh, Confederates decided to start up a clan, and this was a group of men, mainly men, mainly ex-soldiers, who were hell-bent on keeping the South South, basically. They wanted to keep slavery. They wanted to keep the black population under the thumb. Um, For those of you, I will be saying blacks rather than African-Americans. I do not mean any offence by that. Um, It's just quicker and easier. Um, We know the difference between blacks and whites, um, so it's just easier to say... Africa, uh, blacks than African Americans please don't be offended um, I'm British it's not offensive over here to say that so that's why anyway <clears throat> I'm, I digress I digress a lot you, should, you guys will be used to that by now but um, so the clan in this instance their, their role was essentially to um, dominate white supremacy and to keep blacks under the thumb and into a form of slavery So they introduced things like sharecropping. Now, sharecropping was essentially, well, it was basically a a slavery but without the name. What it was, was a black farmer would have the right to earn a share of the land that he worked on. In other words, the plantation master would keep all of his slaves, but he would pay them a share of what they used or what they made. Problem with this is <clears throat> they got board accommodation, or sorry, board accommodation, same thing. They got accommodation, they got food, they got water. They used the plantation owner's tools, and the plantation owner would minus that off their share. So in many instances, you would find a, a sharecropper possibly making $500 in a month, but using six or seven hundred dollars worth of equipment, food and water and lodgings, and therefore owing the plantation owner money <clears throat> rather than the other way around. So again, this was just another way of the white supremacists keeping their thumb down on the black community and making sure that they never progressed. Um, the scary thing for the KKK at this time was not only was obviously segregation lifted um this uh, slavery was lifted things like that um a lot of blacks went into politics they went into becoming politicians mayors um things like that because they were allowed to do that now so they should have been um, but they were now allowed to do that so a lot of them did go into those sort of eras giving them a lot more power now the one thing that scares a man who has just fought against that is power. You know, the last thing you want to do is see one of your old slaves or uh, sharecroppers or employees now running for Congress in your state or in your town. Um, you can suddenly see where the problem's going to arise. So 
the clan was designed to basically to 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 scare to scare people off to scare the blacks to really cause a problem in the southern states it was there to completely suppress the the african americans in the 1870s and it worked um you know it took a it took a few years for the clan to to regain the power that it needed in the southern states um and introduce what was known as the jim crow laws for those of you who don't know um the jim crow laws was essentially segregation that was around until the 1960s um because of that the first clan actually disbanded six years after it was introduced it was introduced in 1865 and it disbanded in 1871 now it disbanded because essentially it had met all its goals they they saw the threat of of the african americans um coming through and they used fear intimidation murder and whatever they could basically to 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 gain control back of of the southern states and that's what they did now their figures for the first clan are unknown we don't know really who they were okay but the problem with the what they they stood for was a different different thing to what later clans stood for okay and this is important to to realize before 1915 which was the introduction of the second clan any members of the kkk stood for white supremacy white nationalism nordicism which is the views of a nordic race is a we was always taught um at school that they, they stood for what was called wasps which was white anglo-saxon protestants um that was what we was taught in this country i don't know if you're taught the same thing in america um but that's what we was taught so they stood for that they wanted white anglo-saxon protestants and that was it they stood for segregation um and they were uh they were terrorists they were essentially christian terrorists and this was the first clan now the second clan was introduced in 1915 so this was uh about a year into the first world war uh unlike uh no unlike like most wars uh the americans hadn't entered into that yet they were fashionably late into the first world war and uh i believe you were fashionably late into the second world war as well if my my history uh serves me right um but yeah you you guys didn't actually enter the the first world war until uh, 1917 so but anyway the ku klux klan revival was white protestants again um the same people uh it started near atlanta georgia um so there we go and this clan saw a massive revival because of a book and a film so there was a book in the south uh was well-known book made by uh, thomas dixon in 1905 called the klansman and there was a film by dw griffith in 1915 which was called um birth of a nation now this basically showed the clan as heroes okay um i haven't seen the film it's it's black and white yeah, there's no sound to it other than sort of dubbed music so it's not it's not a good film um but i've seen clips of it and yeah basically it it portrays um black african americans as um dirty 
as the villains, as sort of the scum of the earth, and the um, the the KKK as the saviors, as the knights of the Round Table for America, the guys who will come in and save America. Um, and this saw a massive resurgence in the KKK. Now, this second generation of the Klan was not only anti-black, but it was anti-Roman Catholic, Jews, foreigners, organised labour, and it was also against gays as well. So, I mean, being against homosexuals in the 1915s was pretty common. They probably didn't get much backlash off of that, um, but the rest of it they probably did get quite a bit but it was fueled by the growing hospitality um, of American immigration okay there was a massive surge of American immigration in the 1950s in the early 1900s and this was due to the first world war a lot of uh, Europeans were fleeing um, to come to America they didn't the first world war was horrific to everybody involved um, America was this sort of almost like a holy land for the Europeans. This was their escape from from hell, basically. Um, and there was a massive surge of uh, immigrants into America at this time. A lot of them happened to be from Ireland. Um, there was, uh, I think, over a million Irish came over um, to America. Now, Ireland being a Roman Catholic country... Again, a lot of the immigrants came from Italy, um, and Italy, again, being a Roman Catholic country. So they saw a massive amount of hatred towards them. There was also a growing number of um, immigrants from places like Russia um, and then sort of the Eastern European countries that were communist. Um, and America and communism have always had this massive battle Um you know anyone who remembers the Cold War, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, anything like that? Um, America have always had a massive stance against communism, so the Klan sort of stood against that as well. So anyone who came over who was Russian or communist um, was was you know poorly treated as well. So it wasn't uh, they didn't just go after one uh, genre of people; they they pretty much hated everybody that wasn't them. Now, this clan was around until 1944, and it's interesting to think they were around till 1944, as they actually started to decline massively um, in the 1930s due to the Great Depression. Um, the clan, the second clan, uh, it had roughly, and this is quite scary for you guys, somewhere between three and six million members. And this is between 1924 and 1925 was when it hit its peak of around 6 million members. Now, that is huge. Um, America's population at the time was nowhere near what it is today. Um, I, I don't actually have the information on America's population, but I can imagine it was quite high. And, and that's quite any any more than sort of 1% of your population joining something like this is is a lot of people and and in in the UK 60 million um just realized i said 60 million 6 million would be roughly 9.5% of our population um so yeah i mean when you look at numbers like that 9 to 10% of the UK the entire UK population um being part of a hate group that wants to exterminate everybody 
who isn't them, that's that's serious. You know, this is a, a serious uh, serious thing to worry about. And the problem that this clan had is they were a lot more violent than the first. Um, like I said, we will go into some of the things, um, but you know, the, this this clan had um, just they were they were known for the main atrocities. They were the ones that were known for the million man march. Roughly, I'm sure it was a million men um, that they marched through the White um, White House on Washington D.C. to to show strength and show how many people they had. However, I did hear a story that a lot of these clansmen would actually go walk down the road in their group, then take their robes off, run to the back of the queue, and put the robes back on and carry on. I'm not sure if that's actually a true story, but that would make it look like there was a damn sight more of them than what there actually was. And I don't know if that's true. I would like to think that that's true, because having seen the videos of them marching down uh, Washington, D.C., um, yeah, it does uh, does worry you a little bit. Um, you know, and I can't imagine the sort of fear that somebody who were... Uh, was hated by these guys um, would have felt seeing that so um, it, w- it would be nice to know that that story is true and they didn't actually have that many members and it was just people running from one end of the queue to the other to, to, to do it again um, I don't know a huge amount about that um, but that was the second clan okay so the second clan these had a lot more um, a lot more things they were against, a lot more people, a lot more genres to hate. Um, they were also the introduction of the White Hoods. Okay, now prior to this, obviously, there was um, a uniform per se for the clan. Um, they did have a, a, a form of uniform. Um, the Burning Cross has always been part of the KKK right from the start. Um, and this is something that they still do even today. So that's not gone anywhere. But the uniforms changed in the in the early 1900s to this uh, hooded robe um, and the sort of the I can't I can't even imagine to add. It's like a sickly green one they have, and I think they've got a red one and a purple one. I'm not sure. I d- I don't know a huge amount about the individual members but I know uh, certain ranks I don't know if they're even called ranks anymore but the, the Grand Wizard and Grand Dragon and things like that have different coloured robes but essentially they're all the same now in regards to the clan after the 1915 um, sort of revamp again very very right wing um, what we would call extreme right wing um anti-Semitics, anti-immigration, anti-communism, anti-Islam, anti-Catholic, anti-globalization, homophobic, neo-fascism, neo-Nazis. I mean, obviously, the the Nazism comes in sort of after the 1950s. um, But again, it's just they were probably the the worst hate group um, in history. And the problem with them is they would use arguments that 
you know that that would sympathize to somebody who probably has no intention of ever joining um the kkk they would use um certain words that would would trigger them um certain phrases and and this is done throughout politics throughout everything every every walk of life i always have this argument with americans um and for those of you who do talk to me you you know my stance on things for example like abortion um we in this country we don't have any issues with it we have a handful of people um who are completely anti-abortion um the majority of people sort of live and let live you know you you make your own decisions in life that sort of thing and my stance is very similar to that you know you have the right to choose what happens to your body um i can go into more details if anybody wants to to argue with me on that point um feel free to message me on facebook um but for example in america they do think they will use words like um family planning for that always oh, it's, it's planning for your family um well you know it, how can you be against family planning you know it's the same with gun control they're not going to stand there and say we're going to take your guns away they say we're looking for gun control who can argue against gun control well you want guns to be out of control nobody wants guns to be out of control you want guns to be under control so when they say gun control what they actually mean is we're taking your guns away but they don't say that and this is what the clan did very very clever to certain white groups certain white individuals they would use different phrases that would make them want to join even though they probably would have no intention of joining in the first place just by trick words and and using things like that now <clears throat> the clan the second clan actually ended in 1944 um towards the end of the second world war and it was revamped again in the 1950s okay now it, this current clan is still active today however that is debatable and i mean debatable because they have somewhere between 5 and 8000 members um it's not a huge amount considering they had 6 million uh, at the start of last century so <clears throat> the numbers the numbers have dwindled massively However, 8,000 people is enough to cause problems. Now, I know that in recent years, um, there have been things that I've read where the clan have said that they would welcome black members into the clan. Um, they're not anti-black anymore, apparently. Um, they're not anti-this, they're not anti-that. They are just a, a brotherhood, um, a group of people who share similar views i really don't believe that um but that is what is on their website and what they sort of try and propagate now <clears throat> is that they are nowhere near as bad as what they used to be um I, I, I don't think anybody would want to try that on but uh there we go what they did have and what they do have is a massive contingent inside the kkk that are borderline neo-nazi if not full neo-nazi now to anybody who lives in europe and to anybody who's english in particular english scottish welsh british who lived through the blitz who lived through the almost invasion of our islands who lived through 
the constant bombing of our cities and towns um, who lived through the constant onslaught of the Nazis sweeping through Europe and preparing to invade England and when Britain was the only line of defence in the Western world stood up against these right-wing nationalists we find it very, very fucking offensive because my great-grandfather fought in the Second World War um, I know pretty much everybody in this country their relatives or somebody they're related to fought in the Second World War um, I believe I have a great great uncle who uh, I was actually shot down in the Battle of Britain um, my dad knows more about that um, but I'm sure that's what he's uh, he's worked out and we are extremely against anybody who is neo-Nazi in this country anybody who comes across in that aspect um, yeah it's just not I mean it's not acceptable anyway um, but when you're talking about a country who stood up as the last line of defense against Nazism. Um, yeah, it's, it is extremely, extremely offensive um, to Europeans, especially. So, yeah, the KKK, not a, not a nice organization. Now, if you're still with me, this is where it's going to get a little bit more um, horrible, I would say. Now, just to give you an idea of how powerful the KKK actually became, um, I just want to read to you guys some suspected members of the KKK. Now, I have to say suspected because this was always denied by them. The first president that caught my eye <coughs> was Harry Truman. Um, now, again, this isn't; these are possibles, um, but yeah, President Harry Truman... Uh, President Woodrow Wilson, President Warren G. Harding, and President Calvin Coolidge were all potentially members of the KKK. And this went all the way down the chain. Um, Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black was also a Klansman. Also, Senator Theodore Bilbo and David Duke. Now, most of us probably know about David Duke, um, but senators were also Klansmen as well. Um, Senator Robert Byrd as well was also a potential a Klansman. So, for those of you who don't really understand how they managed to get so powerful, when you have potentially four presidents, a Supreme Court justice, two senators... Um, and Republican candidates all on the list for Klansmen um, yeah you can understand how easy that it was for them to, to gain control that's on a national level on a localised level many police officers judges, sheriffs pretty much in majority of small towns mainly in places like um, Alabama uh, South Carolina uh, Texas, Tennessee, mainly in these sort of southern states was where there was a huge sort of insurgence from from higher powers. Um, surprisingly, one of the one of the worst states for the Klan was Ohio, which I found quite strange. 
um, to think that there was, you know, a, a northern state in that. But um, it just shows you how easy it was for them to, to spread their message across the United States. Now, this is where we have covered the history. We have covered the clan itself and, and little bits and pieces. Um, we're now going to talk about some of the things that they they used to do um and this this part or this section of the uh, episode is is going to be quite disturbing um and very upsetting for a lot of people so if you are a little bit squeamish or you don't want to hear this will be the point to turn off now we'll start with the early clan initially they were introduced as a white supremacist group that would use pranks okay they initially started as pranksters who would pour water onto people or you know things like that very innocent if you can use the word innocent when you're talking about the clan but very innocent pranks is how it started and it escalated very very quickly from pranks to basically a paramilitary operation um, where they had to subdue the black population um, by violent means and this started with things like um, intimidation Um, many many people found burning crosses on their doorstep Um, a lot of people were threatened with with violence um, when it comes to things like voting for example in the south where a lot of blacks would have voted republican um, at, at elections and they now had the right to vote um, in some states uh, it's important to remember in some states uh, the black population actually outnumbered the white population all right because one slave owner for example would have had maybe two or three hundred slaves on one property well now all of a sudden he gets one vote his wife probably gets another vote but there's 300 adults that are now getting 300 votes so all of a sudden the power shift in the south is causing these guys to worry and this is where the intimidation comes in this is where they would threaten and and maim um, and and in extreme circumstances and this bearing in mind this is at the start in extreme circumstances they would go on and murder um lynchings burnings uh, boiling people um you know there were many many execution methods that were used by the clan um but it's important to remember at the at the start when this was first initial initially invented it was mainly fear and intimidation that they were going for and this is how they regained their power in the south because when blacks went to the voting booths uh, they were met by two or three maybe more clansmen stood there with shotguns and rifles and um, you know they were still masked up and hooded up um, very very intimidating and and a lot of blacks were either turned away from the voting booths by these men or forced to vote republican uh, sorry forced to vote democrat um, in regards to to regaining the power in the south there is evidence of the early clan um, burning down 
uh, churches, burning down schools that predominantly um, taught black students, um, certain schools where uh, they were uh, racially mixed, uh, they were they would intimidate the teachers if they couldn't get to the students, they would intimidate the teachers. Uh, in, in other words, to force them from teaching the black students um, and only let them teach the white students in school. When the threats of intimidation and violence didn't work, they resorted to torture and murder. Um, in fact, the early clan was responsible for more than 4,000 deaths throughout the South in the first few years. Obviously, the American population main American population didn't agree with this um, even the president at the time which was Ulysses S. Grant actually uh, brought in a Ku Klux Klan act which made it illegal for anybody to attempt to deny blacks their civil rights and realistically this I mean it, this probably was one of the reasons why the first clan sort of disbanded but in reality, the main reason why they disbanded is because they'd achieved their aims. They'd done what they needed to do. They pushed the blacks out of the South. They There was no um, congressman. The, the majority of um, the South was now back being Democrat like, it, like they wanted. Um, a lot of blacks were too scared to even go and vote Republican um, of fear of being murdered and tortured. Um, you know, they... Their intimidation tactics, uh, coupled with the KKK Act, um, helped um, to to basically to quell the first the first wave of them. The Klan in the 1920s was very similar in its tactics, however, it used a slightly more modern way of violence. The intimidation was still the same. Um, many burning crosses were found on porches of European immigrants, blacks, homosexuals, um, anybody really that they they disliked um, would 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 be intimidated by the clan. And when they're you're talking six million members, you're talking in all states in America as well. One of the main states that actually had probably one of the highest members of uh, clan or clan membership um, was Indiana, um, which again is a northern state. Um, Ohio had a quite high rate. Um, one of the main towns was Detroit, so Illinois had um, high membership as well. So the clan's reach was massive across the Midwest, massive across the southern states. Realistically, the only sort of states that were probably little affected were the northeast states around New England and New York and, and, I'm, and I'm certain that they existed in those states as well just maybe not on a, as much of a high level so it's important to remember that when when they used this type of intimidation there was an end game and nine times out of ten the end game was to either drive people from their homes send them back to where they came from so if that is a european immigrant from ireland or uh, from england even or or germany or russia or wherever um, it was to drive them back 
to that country and and if they didn't do that um then they would find themselves at the end of a shotgun or a noose or a whip or anything like that um the problem that a lot of them found or uh, that the the black community found was by the 1920s uh, the many many black americans were or african americans sorry were what we would say probably second or even third generation americans um if not more um you know you got to remember when when the slave trade started the slave trade started at the same time that the europeans came into america so some of these um some of the african americans who who are in the south um actually have their family could even have been there even longer than some of these members of the kkk they could actually be technically more american than the members who are claiming that they're not american and and it's a very strange situation to actually imagine um, you know when you think uh, a member of the kkk for example uh, their family dates back to the revolution 1700s so they they've been there 200 odd years but the 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 black man that they've just lynched in his front garden um his family dates back to the 1600s and and the introduction of the slave trade so he's his family's actually been in america even longer but yet is considered less american um just purely on on the basis of his skin color which is, you know is is disgusting and it, it it's not something that i can understand and it's not something that i would ever try to understand what it's like to be in that situation um but the the influence that the clan had in the 1920s gave them far too much power um they had far too much capability of causing mass damage across across the the nation what the clan was most famous for was what was known as lynching lynching is essentially hanging um but not necessarily what the british would call hanging which is a short drop sudden stop um it was a rope hung from a tree or a scaffold and the uh the victim would have been uh, round the neck and dragged up and suffocated very slowly uh very painful and normally this was done in front of of crowds in front of quite a lot of people um to to a point where a lot of people in america would actually bring children to watch this um they would bring picnics and just just to go into the town and watch the lynchings um there's even what was known as lynching postcards where people would take pictures of these lynchings um and and watch and and then sell the postcards um or or use them as as souvenirs or whatever um and as disturbing as my research has been you can see many many of these um postcards pictures online they do still exist and um, and it is you know it it's it's heartbreaking to be honest is the only way of describing it to to see the 
the amount of damage that is caused by by hatred. Just to uh, to name a few um, of of some of the the pictures as disturbing as they are that I I have seen. Um, there's one of uh, John Heath in Tombstone, Arizona, February the twenty second, eighteen eighty four, uh, following the Bisbee massacre. Uh, George Meadows uh, lynched near Pratt Mines in Jefferson County, Alabama, on the fifteenth of January, eighteen eighty nine. Uh, there's a picture of three men lynched in Habersham County, Georgia, May the 17th, 1892. Six African-American men lynched in Lee County, Georgia, 20th of January, 1916. And the lynching of George William Clark in Cartersville, Georgia, September 1930, after he killed police chief J.B. Jenkins. Now, when it's uh, obviously in that instance, obviously he's killed a police officer. Um, but to me, by the looks of that, there's not been a trial, there's not been an accusation, there's not been an arrest or anything like that. Um, so he's been accused of committing a crime, and his punishment is immediate death. There is no there's no justice there you know and and coming from a police family um i personally believe anybody who who murders uh someone who is you know innocent regardless of of that i i think you know that punishment does fit the crime but i i also believe in a fair trial um i do believe in innocent until proven guilty and Unfortunately, from what I can tell from a lot of these uh, these incidences, there has been no trial. There has been no question. It has just been, he fits the description, so we're going to kill him for it. And, you know, it, it's it's just disturbing to, to think that they, you know, they got away with pretty much absolute impunity with this. You know, there was no real there was no repercussion for going out and murdering um thousands of of african americans or or anybody else that there was just no there's just no real punishment for it because they had everybody they had everybody in their pockets so there was no there was no need to you know to he's, I, I can't even get my words out to be honest i'm i'm reading or have been reading, I'm reading my notes back again, and some of the stuff on here, um, you know, it's, it's just, just, just disgusting, um, you know, racial victims between 1865 and 1950 are almost six and a half thousand, um, 2,000 black Americans were lynched within, in the space of a few years, um, you know, I, and these are just little facts that I've written down um, about it, and and it's just you know it's very very disturbing to actually to read back. You know, when when I'm doing my notes and thinking, oh, you know, I'll write that down and I'll I'll sort this and I'll do that, and you don't really think too much. You you read in and writing notes, and and when you read back through it, and you sort of think, wow, this is this is actually really serious um you know it's really disturbing 
to be honest it's there is no other words uh, other words are mentioned in it and and I know that there is potentially slightly better work being done by the clan now um I I know they're not as prominent um but I I think if they were ever to get back to that sort of strength I think you find a lot of the time a lot of the reasons why they are not uh committing as these these atrocities anymore or at least in in the numbers I'm sure I'm sure somebody will will say well actually no they are still doing it um from what I've been made aware from what I my research has has told me is is they are pretty much non-existent now barring online um they still have little meetings but nothing on the scales of what they used to have you know you're talking sometimes a thousand men women children around a burning cross having a meeting you wouldn't want to stumble up up you know across that um now you're talking maybe 15 20 um so there is a there is a big big difference in the numbers um and and the atrocity rates have have you know vastly dropped the problem is is i know there is a new they they call themselves the new clan you know if you go online you can find it. it's the new clan um the problem is is whether they are non-violent now or what my biggest fear would be if all of a sudden six million americans joined like happened in the 1920s would it stay non-violent and that's the only question you can ask and if it if the answer is yes it would stay non-violent then you know fair enough uh, you know i think everyone's entitled to an opinion rightly or wrongly whether you agree or disagree with it um but can you honestly say that they would stay non-violent cuz i certainly couldn't um and i think given half the chance you would probably find a similar situation to what we saw in the 1920s repeating itself and that's not what we need in in this world right now we need we need unity and the the scary thing that we've had to deal with over the last two years should be enough for anybody to realize that actually people really need to stick together regardless of race skin color ethnicity religious belief or or sexual preference or anything like that it's irrelevant at the moment um you know people are are affected all over the world by what's been going on and if this doesn't unify the world then nothing will and unfortunately um looking at certain countries right now it doesn't look like it will be unifying the world so i think you know i just hope everybody can stay safe and uh, i hope you all enjoyed that episode anyway uh, i think you've probably all noticed from that episode that i lost my train of thought a little bit and i apologize for that but when you reread some of this and and there have been details that i've missed out there have been massacres mass murders um mass lynchings um mass burning down of buildings torture rape all of this has been on my sheet to 
read out um, individual cases of gang rapes and things like that that are just just too really too violent and too disturbing to even contemplate putting into an episode um yeah i i have lost my my train of thought doing this episode and and i hope you all forgive me for that but this is a sensitive subject it is one that i toyed with it is one that i thought is the world ready to hear this um this is a dark side to history this is a really dark side to history but all history should be taught even if it is raw even if it is disturbing and horrible and nasty because how are we going to learn from history if you are not taught about the mistakes that you make you cannot learn from mistakes if you do not learn the mistakes and it does look like the KKK or white America has learnt from these mistakes in many many ways you're talking 6 million members down to 3,000 members apologies about that that's my child bouncing and jumping on the bed upstairs if you heard the banging uh, that'll take me hours to edit out so you heard the banging (laughs) Um, but you know it, it wasn't a nice episode to record um, and I hope you guys have bared with me with that but let me know what you thought let me know what you think about this style of history um, yeah just let me know I hope you did enjoy the episode I hope if you don't want to listen to the adverts ever again that you'll get yourselves over to Patreon $5 a month is all it is and you can join me on there you can send me direct messages on there you can listen to all of these episodes uh, ad free uh, they should all be up within the next few weeks it does take a bit of time because obviously we have sort of a backlog of 69 episodes now to, to upload um, and we also have the extra episodes going on there as well so all in all it is really really worth your $5 a month um, but For those of you who are okay with the adverts, carry on listening on your podcast apps. Spread the word for this week in history. I want you all to be telling at least one more person. Everybody who listens to this show tells one more person to listen to the show. We'll double our figures next week. So thank you very much for listening, guys. And just remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love.